Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game, and leave a legacy. We hope this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith. Subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now let's get to this week's episode. We are continuing our series, Rebuild, where we are checking out the rebuilt vision of Lifehouse Church, where we have been over the past six to seven months re-examining and praying about uh, what has God called us to do as Lifehouse Church. And over the four previous weeks, we've explored that, and we're going through the vision statement of our Church. So whether it's your first time here or whether you are somewhat new here or whether Lifehouse is your church home, this is a great way for you to really hear about the vision, the call that we feel like God has given to us at Lifehouse. And like I said, we have been going through our church's vision statement, which is this. Lifehouse exists to invite, and we talked about the power and importance of that word, invite, to invite all people to live an uncommon. We talked about what that uncommon life is, an uncommon life through following Jesus, doing life together. And today, I'll, and today I want to talk to you about the part of our vision that is helping you to get in the game. Can you turn to somebody near you and choose your second option? So don't choose the one that you typically turn to. I'm gonna challenge, I want to challenge you, turn to your second option, but that person then might know that they're your second option. So just choose to whichever person you, whichever person you want, and say, get in the game. Get, get in the game. Get in the game. Before we actually do that, though, really quick, I want to bring to your attention really quick this card here, which you should have received whenever you walked in. Part of rebuilding the vision of Lifehouse is rebuilding our volunteer teams. Unfortunately, with, with COVID going on and, and stuff like that, one of the big areas that has taken a big hit is our volunteer teams. And what I would simply ask, if Lifehouse is your church home, would you consider checking out one of these, what we call dream team choices here, and say, how can you get plugged in and essentially do what we're going to be talking about today, which is get in the game. So would you take a quick look right here at this card and possibly consider partnering with us through joining Lifehouse Kids or our setup and teardown team or the hospitality team. Just kind of say, hey, you, you know what? Maybe I just want more information about these teams. Signing up or checking one of these boxes here doesn't guarantee you. It doesn't lock you down into something. It just simply says you want more information. And we would love to have the opportunity uh, to share with you about the opportunities to get plugged in here, get in the game, and see lives change as we hope to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. So getting in the game. Unfortunately, what I believe we see right now is Christians are playing games instead of getting in the game. And what I simply mean by, by that is Christianity, following Jesus, was never meant to be a spectator sport where, where we kind of like pay professionals, hire professionals, and just say, okay, you go and do the work that Jesus called us to do. And unfortunately, what you see is the church can be so focused on things that in the light of eternity mean nothing and have nothing to do with the church's original Jesus-given purpose. And when that happens, that's when you see the church fighting about dumb stuff. That's when you see the church focusing on things that have nothing to do with its purpose, mission. You could call it sideways energy. Have you ever experienced this? At your job, you've got a clear mission, a clear purpose, and you're focused on stuff that's just pulling you sideways instead of moving the mission forward. Have you experienced this in relationships where you've, you've got your spouse or you've got a friend and you're so worried and you're focused on things that, end, that, that don't have anything to do with what your purpose is? And I think, honestly, what we have seen including us, is that we have become so concerned about sideways stuff that in the light of eternity has nothing to do with the church's original mission and with Christ followers' original mission. This, this, this past week, me, 
me and the family went down to Kitty Hawk for two days because school was starting this week. Can I just get an amen? Can we just give Jesus some praise? Lord, I just want to pause this service and say thank you so that our kids will not be home for seven hours a day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, well, let me say, I'm, I'm just a little excited. So we're like, okay, let's just go away, get away, hang out a couple, a couple days, get some family time in. And, but I'll just be honest, I had a really hard time, and possibly you might struggle with this too, of like, of detaching from your work. You get involved, you, 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 you get not just physically involved, time-wise, time but also too, emotionally, it can be hard to detach, and it can be hard, you're going at such high RPMs, and then, you know, I struggle with slowing down and then being like, okay, I've got kids here, I've got my wife here, and it's hard to be present. I can be physically present, but sometimes I can struggle to be present like there, you know what I'm saying? Anyone else struggle with that? And, and it, can, it can just be hard. And I was really struggling with this. And there were some things that happened within our church last week that just kind of bummed me out. And, and that I was just like struggling with walking through and getting through. And, you know, I, you know, I was like trying to play with the kids a little bit. We're in the water, but I kind of have myself times where I'm like there, then I'm not there. And then as we're playing, in the, and then too, it was really, really windy. And there were really bad rip currents going on. And so, you know, I was having this moment struggling, and then I kind of turned turn this way towards kind of where the, like, ocean is. And, the, and then I saw this kid out there, like, floating that was, like, probably two years younger than my son Jackson. So he was probably, like, eight years old. And he, was, and he just had this, like, look on his face of, like, there's nothing I can do right now. And I'm not in great swimmer. I can swim. Not real good. But when I saw him and it seemed like this doesn't look right, he's pretty far out there. It was crazy how quickly my focus shifted to, oh man, this happened in the church last week, to that kid needs help. So I, I, I just went into, you know, I put my cape on. It's like, I'm going to save this kid. Hero. So, man, I went out, the, out there, swam out there, got him, and, and he, was, he was giving up. He was at that point saying, I'm not going to fight this current no more, and he was literally drifting out. Got him. I brought him back. Lifeguard ran. Everything okay. But what, what struck me was is, is, is it really felt like this is how sometimes the church can be. Is we can get, you know, me, I was so focused on, man, you know, just like, man, stuff happened. I'm kind of, you know, mad about it. What, what, if, what if to him I would say, hey, sorry, bro, I had a hard week at work. Hope you make it. No, my purpose at that time was very clear. Go and save him. Go and save him. And what the church's task and the church's job is, is to be the hands, feet, the body of Christ to a world that needs, call it what you want, healing, wholeness, saving, whatever, that needs the love of Jesus. But I feel like we're so focused on sideways energy that we miss the purpose the church has been put on this planet. And just as I could have missed the opportunity to love and serve this kid by going out for him, I think the church misses the opportunity to do the exact same because we're so focused on stuff that in the light of eternity doesn't mean a daggone thing. When we say getting in the game, we simply mean this. What part are you called to play on Team Jesus? He's got a part for you. If you are a Christ follower, you are a part of not just a church, you're a part of the church. But you're a part of the church, but you, I believe everyone needs a church. I don't get how people can say, I love Jesus, but I'm just not for the church. The church is called Jesus' bride. The church is called the body of Christ. And yes, collectively, we are the church. If you're a Christ follower, yes. But at the same time, you can see even in the very early church, they had local expressions of what the body of Christ and what the church is called to look like. And, it, and you can even see in Paul's, in, in Paul's language, there was this language of commitment. 
in saying that you are called to be a part of a body of believers, a part of, of a body of Christians that say God has called us to then go and literally be the body of Christ. That here's the thing, Jesus said this. When Jesus was praying, one of the things he said was this. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And then, he told, and then he told his followers, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Essentially saying, I am his representative. When you see me, you see him. And then Jesus left and he sent his spirit to then dwell in people and to form and shape and build the church. And what I can see Jesus saying is, is basically, if you see a Christian, you should see me. In the same way, if you saw Jesus, you see the Father. He sent the Spirit to dwell in his followers. And I can see Jesus saying, when you see someone that is filled with the Holy Spirit, you should actually be seeing Jesus. And that's what, that is what, that is what we, we see Christians, even that word Christian, in the very early church, that word meant little Christ. Literally saying there's a bunch of little, bunch of little Jesus babies all walking around trying to grow, trying to mature, trying to become more like him. But one of the things that God has called us to do is we're part of the body, but we're not just part of the body. You find your place in the body by saying, what has God wired me? Well, how has God gifted me to play a part in the body of Christ? And I, I tried to find a way to explain this good, but I just feel like we really need to go to the Bible and just read how Paul did it. It's lengthy. I sometimes struggle with reading lengthy portions of scripture because I can sometimes think you guys will zone out, but I know y'all are better than that. I, I know y'all are engaged. Like y'all are hanging on every word. Y'all like, Jesus, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Just give me whatever. So here's the thing, right? We're going to read a pretty lengthy portion of scripture. And I want you to hear and not just hear, but really sense Paul's heart here and what he's saying for the church. This is what it says here. First Corinthians 12. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles. So he basically said, some of y'all are from different places. Some of some are slaves and some are free. Basically, and some of us are at different places in social status. He's saying, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into how many? One body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Just like I said, the Father sent Jesus. Jesus sends the spirit. And the spirit sends us to then be his representatives. Then it, then it says this here. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, well, I'm not part of the body because I'm not in and." Eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were in ear, how would you smell any, anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. Sorry, I, I just love reading this a little like I would hear it in my brain. I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some of the parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Let me give you a great ex example. Did you know what is the most influential thing that people say when they come to a church for the first time? It is not how good the preaching is. It is not how good people sing and, and, and what people do worshiping. It's people that greet them. Some of them say, oh, Pastor John, you're the most important. No, actually... Because people don't care about hearing about God's love if they don't sense and feel God's love when, when, they, when they drive on the property. The, the, there are parts that matter, and those we can see, well, that's just not important. No, it all matters. It says, in fact, some of the parts that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that, shouldn't, that should not be seen, while the most honorable parts... Uh, do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. Then it says here, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. 
And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you, everyone say me, is a part of it. I just want you to just take some time here and pause and just grasp that if you are a follower of Jesus, have, have you reckoned the fact or have you processed the fact or even had the realization of the fact you are a part of the body, the representation of Jesus? Because I sincerely believe if we had that God-given, that spirit-given revelation then we would be longing and saying, how can I find my purpose and place and get in the game and do my part on whatever team Jesus asks me to do? And it's, and it's, and it's less because I think sometimes we'll get to say, well, that part's more important. Well, that part's more, more important. No, we, we just heard every part matters in the body and in the body of Christ, the church, it doesn't... The, it doesn't matter. Every part matters. If you are a part of the body, you matter, and we need you. We need you because God has given you a gift, a talent. God has given you something to use to be an expression, the physical expression of a Jesus that cannot be seen. People are not going to see Maybe they have a dream. Maybe they have something like that. But the church is literally called to be the physical representation of a Jesus that they can't see. One of the things I, that, that, that kind of always used to be, one of the things, as the pastor, I always get called to pray for everything. I'm, I'm at a birthday party. Pastor, will you pray? I'm like, you a Christian? You can pray. You know, it's like, you know, it's like everyone asking me to pray for everything. Wedding yesterday, right? Like the whole family's Christian. But like, Pastor, come, can, you, can you come up here and pray? And that used to bother me some. I'm just like, man, like you a Christian, you can pray. I pray the same stuff you pray. Like just, you know. But then I finally read this book that said this. As Christians, we are called to be parables of Jesus Christ. Essentially saying a parable is taking something that is not known and giving it, and giving it a physical presence so it can be known. That's why Jesus taught like that. Jesus would take, would take principles, heavenly principles, and use physical examples to, to take it, illustrate it, because he was trying to take something that was not understood, take something that is understood, and use that to make it known. So now I've seen whenever someone asks me to pray, what they are essentially saying is, we feel like you represent Jesus to us. But that's just not me. That's just not because I'm a pastor. That's all y'all. We're all parables of Jesus. And we are called in whatever context, whatever place, work, job, family, fun, hobby, community, wherever you go, it's as if Jesus himself is going there. Because y'all, if that's not, what are, what, 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 are, what are we doing? All right, let me talk to you about getting in the game. I'm a little passionate about this. Because, y'all, I am passionate about seeing the world know who Jesus is, and that will not happen simply by us playing games. That will happen by us getting in the game. But I think there's some reasons we don't want to get in the game, and I want to talk to you about what those four things are, the four biggest reasons that I see. First off, you feel disqualified because of your past or current sins or struggles. Some of y'all are like, John, why would God use me? Do you know what I've done? Do you know where I've been? Do you just, and we can get so hung up on our past or stuff we're struggling with now that we can miss what God wants to do right now through you. I would just simply ask, have you ever read this book? I mean, I'm just asking. Because what I love about this book and why I believe this book with all my heart, it doesn't hide its hero's faults. It doesn't try to make David look like this perfect king. King David killed Goliath. Yeah, also slept with a dude's wife and had him murdered. Noah, he built the ark. What a man of faith. Gets out the ark and gets drunk. Abraham, father of the faith. Father Abraham. Yeah. And he like, his wife presented to him this other plan to make God's promise happen. And it was like sleeping with some other girl. He was like, yeah, I'm down. You know, it's, 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 it's like Paul, Paul killed Christians, y'all. 
murdered them. Peter was a, was a drunken fisherman because it cussed all the time. I understand it's easy to look at your past, but what the beauty of the gospel is, is Jesus deals with your past. And he gives you promises for the future. And he can help you in the present. So if you are saying, why would God use me because of my past failures or my current, current struggles, this book says, nah, it can't. It doesn't matter where you're at in your faith. If you are a follower of Jesus, he wants to use you. Even if it's just by helping or serving, don't underestimate what God can do through you by simple kind words, by simple actions of love. You might say, John, I don't have training. We'll, we'll help with that. You say, John, I don't know the whole Bible. Welcome to the club. I don't either. You say, John, do you? you look, all I simply ask is don't disqualify what God has qualified. Do not disqualify what God has qualified. Because God will use you in the midst of your struggles. Because he sees the heart. Man doesn't. God knows if you're trying. God can see if you're struggling. God can see. And part even of your growth is going to be saying, God, use me even when I'm not perfect. So would you please not let that disqualify you? Secondly, the, the biggest reason why I feel like people don't get in the game is you feel, no, no, no is you, you think getting in the game is just for professionals. I feel like, John, that's why we pay you. That's why I put my $20 in weekly. So you can feed your kids and feed your family. And you do the work. This is killing the church, y'all. Killing the church. This professionalization of the ministry. Where you think what I do is more important than what you do. A matter of fact, a Barna study, a research firm, actually said that 75% that, that, that of people that go to church weekly believe what the pastor does is more important than what they do. Y'all, I want to let you know that is not true. I've got a call. You've got a call. I got a job. You got a job. And just, just because I am essentially full-time full pastoring and leading and doing things within the church does not make what you do full-time less important. Because God will not waste your vocation. God will not just say, hey, go to your job for 40 hours per week and just endure it, and it sucks, but don't do anything to make a big impact in people's lives. He's not going to say that. He's saying, if you are at your job, you haven't been sentenced there, you've been sent there. Because the spirit inside of you has sent you. You might say, well, I didn't, well, whether you chose it or didn't chose it or you were sent there or whatever, you're there. I don't think Paul was like, well, I'm in prison. Life sucks. He said, I'm here. These chains that are, are around me are going to hear about the gospel. Paul, Paul even said, when I was in prison, the, me being in prison actually served the purpose that I could tell the people in prison and the prison guards about who Jesus is. He didn't waste a moment or waste an opportunity to make Jesus good, to make Jesus great. He got in the game. Getting in the game is not just for professionals. What you actually see, Paul actually said in Ephesians 4, that the leaders in the church, the pastors, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, the apostles, those those positions that God has given, and they actually call them gifts, have been given to the church to actually equip the church to do the work of the ministry. Where my job isn't to just do the work. My job is to coach. My job is to say, <laughs> what you doing? God has you there. Like, that's what I feel like today, is, is, is I'm almost like, like a coach talking to its team and saying, we got a job to do. We got a purpose to do. You have got a purpose on this place. If you're breathing, God's not done with you. Let's go. If we focus on sideways energy, on our past and stuff like that, we'll never say, God, what do you want to do? And as leaders in the church, our job is to try to equip you to get in the game. That's why sometimes we'll be annoying. Hey, what are you doing, sir? Oh, 
Are you serving? And I think sometimes that scares some of y'all because y'all are like, Man, I don't want to be asked that, right? You know, but, but honestly, our heart isn't to get something from you. It's to get something to you because we know that when you serve and you find, and you find your place, what you actually step into is your God-given destiny and your God-given purpose. Don't think, it says, I'm not a professional. God can't use me. That's a load of stuff. Thirdly, the people, why people don't get in the games. You view the church as something you go to instead of a mission you belong to. Y'all, what I believe has killed church is we think that we are a part of the church because we go to a place and worship. That's a part of the church. But part of the church is saying, I'm just not here to receive and to consume. I am here to be trained and equipped to go out and do the work that God has called me to do. It is a mission that Jesus gave that the church is simply trying to carry on. Church is not an event you attend. It is a mission, a purpose, a calling that we are in, that we say, God, how can you take my time, my talent, my treasure, my whole being, and move the kingdom of God forward? It's not an event. It is a mission you belong to. All right, John, you're like, okay, 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 okay those are the problems. What, how do we get in the game? All right, let me, I'm going to ask you five questions. Five questions. Instead of just telling you, do this, do that, do this. I want to simply just ask you five questions. And really what I sincerely hope to do today and what I felt like the Lord tell me is there's a story in the book of Ezekiel where there is this prophet, he's named Ezekiel, and God gives him this crazy message to go to this valley of dry bones where it's dead, it's dry. It's just imagine a valley, a place where there's dead bodies and there's just dry, and there's just dry bones there. And God tells his prophet Ezekiel, I want you to go to those bones and I want you to prophesy over those bones. I want you to stir up with the word of God, these dry bones. And basically where there is death, I want you to stir up life. And that's what I felt called to today. That I believe there are some dead places inside of you where God has purpose. That you have even put in your life, you have said, that's a dead place, I'm not going there no more. But I believe sincerely today, God is going to stir something inside of you to revisit those dead places. And to say, is there some purpose there? In that pain, is there some purpose there? In that place where it looks dead, is there some life there? And what I want to do real quick is actually read to you this portion of scripture in Ezekiel chapter 37. This is what it says here. It says, the Lord took a hold of me, and that is Ezekiel. And I was carried away by the spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message. In other words, preach to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you alive again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, the muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then the Lord said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, come, will breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood on their feet, a great army. And what I'm praying for in our church is that today something would be sparked, something that where there's dead bones, that there would be something that would be spoken today through the power and spirit of God that would take those dry bones and bring them to life why? Because God is calling us to be a great army of his church, a great army of people that come together and, 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 and share and show the love of Jesus and be the physical representation of him to a world that cannot see Jesus. 
I thought that was better than, you know, I, th- I thought that was pretty, pretty inspiring, but I guess not. Okay, we'll go, <laughs> we'll go ahead and dive in here to these five questions. How do we get in the game? Ask this question. What need do I see? I think sometimes God shows us things that need to be done, not so we can complain and be angry, but so we can say, okay, how are you going to be a part of the solution? I believe we've been shaped and formed to be a people that are good at recognizing what is wrong and terrible at being part of the solution. Why? Because we can judge anything now. We can write reviews. So we're, we're so good at being critics because we've got permission to. And one of the things I think has unfortunately made its way into church is we've become such good critics. Well, how did this, what did that, what did, what did the preaching, the worship, or what did that do for me today? Instead of saying, what did it do for God today? But I think sometimes we get so good at being critics, we don't actually take time to say, what need do I actually see? And not just what do I see, how can I actually play a part in fixing it? There are some things that God will show you for the specific reason that he's calling you to be part of the solution to fix it. One of the things that I absolutely love about For Our City Week is Sometimes it can expose people to parts of our city that they, that they never even knew were there. It exposes them to different needs in different places within our city that sometimes people can be like, I had no idea that was even a thing. But sometimes God will show you something. So maybe God has gifted you to be the one to fix it. I want to say if there's something at LifeHouse that you're like, this is a need. Maybe God's showing you that because He's saying, hey, it's time for you to jump in and get in the game. It's not, but, but also, too, it's not just needs you can see. Sometimes it's needs that are thrown out there, right? And just to give you a couple, because I'm the lead pastor, and I can't, right, is if you in any way, shape, or form want to get involved with LifeHouse Kids, we'd love to have you. We have kids that are hungry to hear about God's word, hungry to have you have adults pour into them and speak Jesus in, into them. We have a great need with our setup and teardown teams. If, if you can lift something, if you can do something, you can get here one hour before service starts. We have a great opportunity to transform this amazing theater into a church spot every single week. We, y'all, we, 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 if we have got a place for you no matter where you are on your faith journey. You might even say, John, I'm only here a couple months. I'm only here a couple months. I'm just here training. I'm at Fort Eustis training. We've got a spot for you. One of the things we say, if someone comes in, military families, and they're like, hey, I'm only here for six months, eight months, whatever. We say, get in the game. Who cares how long you're here? Don't waste this time. Like, get in the game. We got a spot, uh, spot for you. But what need could God be showing you, not just at the church, but even in your family, even at your job? This is not just about our church, but this is also wanting to, to, to equip you to say, how can you take these principles even outside of the church here? So maybe what need do you see at your job that if you filled would meet an incredible need to get in the game? What need do you see? Secondly, the second question is this. What makes you angry? And, I, and I'm not talking about throw tables, although Jesus did. I'm talking about flip tables, even though Jesus did. There's something called righteous anger. I'm not talking about alcohol anger. I'm not talking about road rage. I'm talking about righteous anger. And righteous anger says this, this should not be. It's not okay to have kids sleeping on the floor. It's, it's not cool that people in our city are hungry. And really, if you want to examine maybe what you're called to to get in the game, maybe you need to examine what makes you righteously angry. Jesus was angry, but his anger led him to doing good. You you can see times there was this one situation, Jesus, 
he was in the synagogue, and there was a guy that had a shriveled hand. And he was, and it was just sitting there, and it was like, and Scripture says this, Jesus looked around at the synagogue leaders in anger and then healed the guy's hand. Because he was like, why in the world is this man sitting here with a shriveled hand when the power of God is here and no one is doing anything about it? So he said, be healed. And the dude was healed. His anger led him to doing something good. Is there things inside of you that make you literally angry? That could be a pathway, a doorway to saying, maybe that's where you're called to get in the game. Maybe you've been church hurt. And one of the things the church hurt you was that we, churches didn't do relationships right. Well, you got another shot. Maybe, you know what, what just makes you angry, maybe whenever you walked into a church one time, it just was like wasn't welcoming friendly at all. And so instead of getting ticked off mad, maybe, that's, maybe God's asking you to be one of the ones that help present a loving atmosphere. I remember there was this one girl in our church a couple years back. Um, she, she walked into a church service with her baby, very young age. Her, her baby was kind of crying and stuff like that. The person said to her, I'm sorry, your baby can't be in here. Didn't give her options, didn't try to help or nothing like that. She left out and she said, I hadn't been to a church since. You might say that's crazy, that's whatever. But the first, we, we all know this, the first impression can make a lasting impression. Some of you do that with different things. Restaurants, you go into a restaurant, you have a snobby, a snobby hostess. Well, fine, I never come back here, right? So possibly you say, you know, one of, the, one of the things that makes you angry is when people don't feel loved when they, when they, when they walk into church. Well, maybe that's, maybe God showed you that because it's, it's maybe something that you're called to get involved with. What makes you angry? What was the first one? What need do I see? And thirdly, though, what, like, let me ask you this. What brings you joy? Like, what doesn't feel like work to you? What, what is something that you would do even if you wouldn't get paid for it? What is something that just you naturally gravitate towards that then you could say, if this doesn't feel like work to me, maybe then I could use it to influence and get in the game and help other people know Christ and, and deeply influence them. You know, because like we got some people in Lifehouse Kids, they work with kids all day. And then they come here on Sundays and work with kids again. I'm like, that would be a, a living hell for me. But for some others, that's a living heaven for them because it brings them joy. I can tell you, if I didn't have a church, if, I didn't, if we didn't have this, I would do this for free because my heart and passion is to help people understand the church's call and to also understand God's word. I would do this for free. I get such joy at seeing light bulbs come on in people's heads, in seeing people understand God loves them, that God is for them, in seeing people experience the love and power and presence of God. It is such a joy, but you have got something that makes you joyful and you would do even if you didn't get paid for it. Within the church and outside the church. So what is that thing that brings you joy? Also, too, let me ask you this. What has been your greatest source of pain? What has been your greatest source of pain in your life? Because I can guarantee in that doorway that leads to your greatest pain is some purpose stacked in there as well. Some of you have walked through some traumatizing things. Some of you have walked through some life-altering things, and even you're sitting here today, you would even say to yourself, I have no idea how I even made it. Walk through a divorce. You walk through a death in the family. You walk through cancer. You walk through a sickness. You walk through someone very close to you turning, turning their back on. You walk through a closed business. You walk through financial hardships. Like you've walked through, through lawsuits, and you've, like you, you have walked through something that if you don't use it to help someone out, I say this lovingly, but you almost waste your pain. Do not waste your pain, y'all. Because I'm telling you, pain can lead to purpose if you put it in the hands of the God that has all purpose in his hands. 
Romans 8, my favorite scripture, God works all things to the good of those who love him. That does not mean all things are good. That does not mean all things that happen to you are good. Because some of you who have experienced some of the worst things, not because of a choice you made or because of, of a decision that you made, but because of what somebody did to you. Whether it was hurt on their end and they were just hurting somebody else and that somebody else was you or, or whatever. But Jesus, but, but what we see in scripture is God promises that he will take all things and make it work. Here's the thing, for your good and for his glory, if you take your pain and put it in his hand. But some of y'all are scared to do that because you've, 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 you've got to actually say, I need to heal from this pain. I need to actually explore this pain. I need to not just stuff it, deny it, deflect it, defend it, or take ownership, but actually add part of your healing will be helping other people through the same thing and the same pain you experience. It's an incredible example within our church over the past year. There is a family within our church, I'm going to keep them nameless, but has walked through something extremely difficult with their child. Was born premature. Child did not even make it. The child was actually dead for like seven minutes. And the child came back. And literally, they say, through a miracle of God, the child actually just went home yesterday. He's been in, he's been in, um, what's that called, NICU, NICU, for I think it's five months they've been there. And it, I mean, it is a miracle of God. But let me tell you, the father, right, when they were over in Norfolk at the children's hospital there, and they were doing family, family sessions, you know, and, and they were doing family counseling sessions with the counselor there as they were there with their child who would kind of go in and out, you know, kind of have good days and bad days, and they would be on this roller coaster. And they would be in these family sessions, and what this one dad told me that goes to our church, he said, it, all, it just seemed like everything was geared towards the mom, and, and he just seemed like it, it was just like everything was just like geared. And then he said, I felt this thing one day after the counseling session with, you know, with the families there, I just said, if you are a guy here and you want to talk this through things with from a guy's perspective and from a guy's a guy's view, a, a, a guy's viewpoint, meet me downstairs and we'll go grab a, a beer together or something like that. And he said, every single guy in that family, after that was done, went with him. And he said, John, it was the most amazing thing hearing these guys they have stuffed didn't have feel like they had a safe place to talk when they were in a group of guys opened up and shared and there was this brotherhood built between these families walking through one of the greatest pains of their life of seeing a child go through something that they never expected or wanted their child to walk through or go through and they felt helpless like we didn't you know and but what I love is Josh. Oh, see, it's his name. Ricky, I'm just kidding. It's not his name. But he told me he was just like, in that room, I found purpose. And I didn't think I had. But it was found in his pain. He saw the need. He could have easily just said, oh, you know, woe is me and woe and I'm sure there was a lot of that and he's been on I mean they've been on this emotional roller coaster but what I love is is in the midst of that he said what can now I do to find some purpose in this pain I apologize if somebody lied to you and told you that following Jesus is not painful I'm serious because following Jesus does not mean bad things will not happen to you a verse that we don't see on greeting cards at Christian bookstores is something Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. And that you know whatever you walk through, he's with you. Whatever battle you fight, he surrounds the battle. 
But my heart for our church is that we would not take our pain and stuff it and deflect it and defend it and just act like it didn't happen. But we would do the hard work of letting God redeem it and then letting God use it. Because there are some of you here, God has given you a testimony and a story to share. But you're not ready. Some of you are ready. And we need to hear it. We need to hear what God has done. But also, too, if you are in pain today, you say, John, I like you, you've, you've just got something that you feel like you cannot work through. We want to walk with you. We, we want to pray with you. We want to help you whatever ways we can with the resources within our church, outside of our church. Help you heal from the pain that you feel like is holding you back from getting in the game. What's been your greatest source of pain? Lastly, though, what has been greatest areas of victory in your life? I mean, honestly, some of you here have experienced such great areas of victory. Like you have financially killed it. Praise God. Good for you. There's a lot of other people that could say, how did you do that? There are some people here. You've overcome addiction. You've seen victories in overcoming drugs, alcohol, pornography, relationship dysfunction. You've experienced victory. And what I believe is this, God never gives you vic- just, just gives victory to you. He gives it to you to get it through you. That your victory isn't just about you. Your victory is about who does then God want to give victory to through you. So let me ask you that. What areas of victory have you experienced? Is it in your marriage? If you have a healthy marriage and you're 20 years in, if you have a healthy marriage and you still like each other by year eight, statistics say about year eight is when most divorces happen. Because by that time, the honeymoon's worn off, You're done playing the, you know, we're going to bear this. And by that point, you're just like, forget it. I'm done. If you've experienced victory in that area and place, we got marriages that need what, what God's done in you. If you've experienced victory, maybe in, the, in your relationship with Jesus, like, You've, you've just seen growth happen. We have people within our church that are longing to connect with somebody that is following Jesus. All I'm saying is what victory has God gotten to you that God wants to do through you? You know, let me say this in conclusion. Nothing in your life is wasted. Nothing. God doesn't waste a single moment. God doesn't waste a single experience. He doesn't waste a single place you've lived. He doesn't waste a single dysfunctional relationship. He doesn't waste a a dysfunctional upbringing. He doesn't waste a college experience. He doesn't waste a thing if you let him use it. He will use it. Let me say this, though. God doesn't need you, though. And you're like, John, you just say, like, God needs us. He he doesn't need us, but at the same time, he will use you because he loves you. So let let me give you a great example here. So I've got three boys, 10, 7, and 5. When I'm trying to do yard work, they are a hindrance to progress. To put it lightly, like I spend more time yelling at them to complete what they started than I do like doing the work that needs to be done. And but through that, I'm trying to teach them something. I don't need them. Like I don't need them to do the yard work. But I also realize I need to 
involve them because I love them and I'm trying to get something else to them. God doesn't need you, but he wants to use you. He wants to involve you. Could he do it quicker? I don't understand it. I'm like, efficient, God. Be efficient. And you know what being efficient would mean? Not using me. And probably not using Peter or Paul or all these other ballers. God, if you could just do it. But what we see throughout this book here is God always partners with people. Abraham, Moses, Gideon, Isaiah, David, Jeremiah, Peter, Paul, James, John. He chooses to partner with people because he wants to get us involved in his mission and his purpose and his plan for this planet. I don't get it. I don't understand it, but it is true. And we have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to get involved. We have the opportunity to get in the game. Like I said, God didn't have to use Noah, Abraham, Gideon, Peter, Paul, but he chose people. He chose finite people, messed up people, imperfect people to be vessels to, for him to fill and then show himself through. My heart today is as a church, as Lifehouse Church, we would not play games, we'd get in the game. We'd say, God, how have you wired me? How have you shaped me? What experiences have, have I had? What pain have I had? What areas of victory have I had? What needs do I see? What makes me righteously ticked off? And God, would you then put me in places to be your hands, your feet, and your representation so the church, the body of Jesus Christ can fulfill its mission and purpose that it's been given. That's to be him. Can we all stand? Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard, or said yes to Jesus, please reach out to us at lifehousenn.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next step in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us next Sunday online or in person. For service times, visit lifehousenn.com.